0: I got me a script, I got me a room, I got me a mic, alright, let's do it to it, Uh uh uh-huh, 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 oh yeah. Howdy hey, howdy y'all, welcome back to the usual setback. I'm your host Justin, and as usual, this show is going wildly somewhere completely different than we were last week. All right, this week we will be discussing nature, Mother Earth. will define what we're talking about when it comes to nature, because let's face it—if you don't think of nature as an umbrella term, I feel like you're missing like 75% of the final picture. We're going to talk about, you know, the usual response Earth would have. It's like it's alive, and what do you expect it to do when it's sick? It has some sort of a response. But because it's much bigger, you know, we can kind of see the results of it. Um, And we'll discuss what our potential role is. So... If you're willing to sit down for this type of conversation, I promise you it's not all climate change non, um, and uh, science like that, uh, then, you know, welcome. Sit down. But I will tell you right now, we might be discussing some things that certain people don't believe in, and while well, I think it's absolutely insane not to believe the science that's right in front of us... I'm going to avoid causes, I'm going to just look at trends, and you know, things that happen when certain conditions happen, and trends showing those conditions, so, you know, if you're willing to sit down and have this conversation, go for it, if you don't want to, I understand, but for those of you who are sticking around, go ahead, get comfortable while driving, get your laundry ready to go, and let's have a grand old time. This week! yeah. Nature is, well, everything. Trees are nature, and I hope that's not a surprise to you, but so are we. Humans are just another type of animal to come from this crazy blue marble hurtling through the universe. Now instead of going on another spiral of ethereal questioning about what constitute nature, Let's define what we we will be talking about, shall we? What do we mean by nature? Nature in this scenario is going to mean environmental features and resources used by us human beings for consumption. Things like rivers, native trees and berries, pastures, mountains. You know, things that are too grand and too complicated for mere mortals to just go and say, I'ma put this here because magically I can control water and say, boom, river. And now there's a river. That That's, uh, yeah, that's not how rivers work. If it was, a lot of people wouldn't have as many problems as we do. Nature spaces will be referenced, so think like forest and parks. But remember, there is a key, a very key difference, all right? Because forests from the U.S. Forest Service are utilized to be, you know, resources, whereas parks are more preserved. And we'll talk about that later. But it's kind of interesting to look at these nature spaces because, personally, I live near a lot of lumbering. There was a reclaimed oil well not too far from where I currently lived that I had a hand in helping, you know, the park change. When I worked at a conservation corps, they had us go out there and plant some baby pines. And let me tell you, that land was very compacted, and the tools we got were not at all ready to handle the dirt. But we pushed through. We, <laughs> we stayed in that field for a very, very long time, working to plant trees. Um, I'm not going to say how many trees, because I honestly don't remember. Ha <laughs> But yeah, that was, that was fun. We're also going to be looking at, like, things that impact a lot of businesses. Things like agriculture. Things that rely on climate and environmental understanding for them to plan their crops properly, to, you know, feed you, feed me. Be Johnny Joe down the street. Like, America's gotta eat. The world's gotta eat. And all of our food, ironically, comes from nature. Sure, humans have manipulated nature to, like, have sustainable means of gardening and farming and ranching, but all of that is still having a hand in the natural process of the world. But, That is different than just, like, a wild cow. I don't know where I would see a wild cow anymore. But if anyone wants to show me, please absolutely show me a wild cow. I really, really, really want to know. And I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, like, why is this episode kind of well put together? Why is it, like, a little bit more defined? What happened? Let me tell you. This episode has been in the works for two years. This episode has been in the works since before I had a podcast name. I have been working on a lot of content for a long time, and I've just been patiently waiting, biding my time, saving what loose change I have to invest in myself, invest in some, you know, basic equipment, take some classes... Learn some skills, refresh my writing skills, from being an award-winning writer. Huh? Oh, I really did peak in high school. Oh, well, I guess I make do with what I got now. Ha uh-huh. ha. But yes. Also, as I had just mentioned, I spent a lot of time in the Conservation Corps. So I was a little nerd. I did research like this for fun. That's right. This type of thing is fun for me. Ha-ha. You think you're weird? At least you don't research completely random topics that have nothing to do with real-world examples for fun. Alright. Now that we've covered all this, we've covered the basics. Are you ready for more? Are you? Yeah? No? Maybe so? Well, it doesn't matter. We're taking a break. Taking a breather. We're going to take a quick moment. So don't, 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 don't go away. Don't, don't, don't go away. No, don't, 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 don't go away. All right, but if you do, make sure it's still like the washing and the dryer. Make sure you didn't leave that red pair of underwear in with your whites. Look, it's Valentine's Day. I don't know what y'all doing. I hope y'all don't know what I'm doing. So... Who am I to judge? Alright. So we're gonna take a break. Do something a bit more lighthearted. And when we get back, uh, uh, we'll keep, uh, uh, talking. Yeah. This week, We'll look at a very spoiled pup. He is about a foot and a half tall, dual-colored, with his golden round fur complementing his white patches and underside, giving him a vibe looking like latte art. His wiry and curly fur, which even when groomed is very excitable, give him the image of a troubled pass. His underbite certainly doesn't help the shady appearance of this pup, yet his medium tail which curls up becomes blurred blur with excitement upon seeing anyone and his big loving eyes tell all that he's a good boy. Yes, he is. I'm of course talking about my own pup, Chewy. Chewy loves to go on car rides, and as I drive for work, I often feel sad leaving him behind when I have to go. I prefer driving with Chewy, as he's such a good passenger, and keeps excellent company. His good behavior and love of the car prompted us to get two (laughs) seatbelt adapters literally designed to clip into his harness. This meant he could go on Ryan safely and remain buckled in case something did actually happen. I, however, <laughs> as any good pup father would do, have decided to take it farther. Living where I do, I have plenty of country roads at my disposal to take him on rides more often, and I didn't want him to be uncomfy in the back seat. Thus, i addressed the situation i covered the booty portions of the seats with not one not two but ultimately three blankets one very fluffy and accustomed to a dog nuzzling up into it the other soft and thin to provide a little bit more security and structure to a very soft floor so he had somewhere where he could stand and sit and the third is something he can use to cover himself we have the seat belt fed through allowing him just enough room to roam the back seat safely. On one side I have his seat set up where he can chill and relax. I gave him a few pillows, some where he can grab and lay on, others he can lay against as though it's a person, and some some serve a dual purpose. You see the last part of the seat is separated by these pillows and on the other side, just within my massive reach of a wingspan, a bag. A bag with a bowl for his food, a bowl for water, a water bottle just for him, and of course, food, because what good is a food bowl without food? And yes, I have his leash and baggies in case he needs to do his business, or we just find a place to stop and take him for a walk. Now he rides in style, cozy as can be, he's recently started acting like he enjoys the car more than our room, to be honest, where he has a massive area made just for him, full of blankets and pillows and, of course, the occasional dirty clothes that he likes to find. Oh, and I'm sure someone out there is wondering how my partner feels about all of this. Well, when he saw the area, he looked at it and looked at me, and then immediately suggested we get some lights and some speakers to play road noise-canceling, dog-calming music. Keep our pup in a nice positive atmosphere while he rides. No, Chewy is not Spoiled, at all. Spoiled is the dog's munching on mean meat treats, the sponsors of this week's Dog Story of the Week. Not only are they actually nutritious for your animal family member, but they're also made with your furry pal's joy in mind from start to finish, using 100% all-natural premium US FDA approved meat for their treats. They're a small, freshly new dog treat company and let me tell you their facebook page is adorable people have sent in videos of their furry friends enjoying these these scrumptious deliumptious i was wa- i'm watching a cat gnaw on a fish stick right now and this cat is so happy and honestly i feel such joy because this fish stick is made in a way where this cat can actually enjoy a fish stick and not get sick I'll link the Etsy store, as well as their Facebook page, in the description of this episode. I love this company. I know the person who runs it. I know the person who makes the treats. They're such a good friend of mine. They've always loved dogs. They always will love dogs. They have dogs themselves who taste test every product. I strongly, strongly urge you to check them out. Now, let's get back to this wonderful episode of this week, shall we? All right, look, this next part will either make you really happy or really upset, because we're going to be talking about what it's like when Mother Nature is not doing so hot. You know, this is a very delicate ecosystem. You could almost say the entire planet is alive, in a sense. It's all one giant living being that we happen to get to share being a part of. But think about your own body. When you get a cut, you bleed. And when you bleed, you have a whole slew, a whole cornucopia of you know, white blood cells, platelets, and an immune response ready to defend you. And to you, it just looks like, you know, you're developing a scam. There's a little bit of gross pus, like, ew. But, like, on a more bacteria level, it is a bloodbath. It is a battle. It is a violent reaction. And we're sort of on a scale to the Earth that is... It's a little bit kind of cool to see... But at the same time, it still very much affects us in a harsh, harsh manner. Like, case in point, sunsets. Now, I moved where I currently live from a place that is not at all near a chemical refinery or near a petroleum refinery. And the sunsets there were completely different to where I live now, which is just upriver From a whole bunch of refineries. These sunsets now have so many shades of purple and red. And to some people it looks super beautiful. But to me it just sort of reminds me that. That beautiful sunset comes. At a cost. And it's kind of weird to like see that damage. But I'm not here to talk about you know emissions. And how high they are. Let's just look at some of the ways that earth reacts because let's face it earth is gonna achieve homeostasis and usually if you don't know what that word means you get a dictionary but homeostasis is basically this fancy way of saying like neutralness like equalness like this is stable this is where I need to be to exist and survive and usually to do that, for the Earth, there is some sort of system. Something that turns everything together and makes a balance. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Think of storms. Think of tropical storms. Think of, think of things that, that just react to the way that the balance is. And when you shift with that balance, things change, and thus things change accordingly. Now, like I said, we're not going to talk about what's causing this, but let's look at ocean temperature. Specifically ocean temperature in relations to hurricanes. Hurricanes need, according to NASA, a, surface, a sea surface temperature of 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, if you look at NOAA, they state 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'll leave links in the description. If you look at maps about sea temperatures, there has indeed been a rise specifically around that that coast of Africa. Now, why is that important to, like, notice the heating there? Well, hurricanes start as disturbances blown off of the coast of Africa into tropical Atlantic waters, which are then carried by winds and the the rotation of the Earth towards the coast of America. That's why. These ocean temperatures are indeed rising, and I don't care if you want to look at reversing it or not. Either way, we should look at adapting to stronger hurricanes and finding ways to come up with a better way to handle these cycle systems. Because if they're not going to go away, we need to figure out a way to adapt as a society to survive for them. However, on the other hand, let's look at something that we can all relate to. Arctic blast and extreme, extreme cold in areas where it's not so cold usually. To understand this, I have a link in the episode to a UC Davis website. It really did simplify it in a way that, like, helped me understand how to explain this. However, a difference in temperature is what maintains a jet stream or a circular stream of really fast air around the Arctic pole. When the difference in temperature lessens, i.e., Arctic ice melts, something that usually reflects and is now replaced by water, something that now absorbs. The jet stream weakens. When that happens, think of it like an ice cream cone melting. It drips down all the way down to the napkin. In this case, it's cold air basically melting over the earth, if you look at it like a picture, all the way down to Florida. It's very uneven Very much, you can tell the jet stream that usually contains it is very weak because it doesn't even have a usual circular border. It is very, it looks like it's melting. These systems are changing as a result of the temperature trends. If these are going to continue to change, again, we need to figure out a way to adapt if we do not want to address a cause. This is hella important, though. Like, I cannot stress how important it is. Because we were just talking earlier about the agricultural industry, foresting industry. These industries rely on a certain type of predictable climate. Because they are using climate and the natural resources available to them to grow not just lumber and materials to build homes, make paper but also food like critical critical things like food all right and many of these systems even if they don't impact the climate of growing food just yet look at tornado damage look at hurricane damage you can see that with the way the earth is going we have some major changes to make either preventative or adaptive we just need to to Do something and make a game plan before I go on too big of a rant. Because let's face it, the earth is cyclical. And yeah, there are some, some times where earth has performed similarly, however, it's never been as extreme and I'm I'm really trying to avoid like the cause of all of this. And like that whole debate. Because you don't even need to look at the cause to understand that things need to change. Something needs to happen. You just have to look at the current trends. Before you even look at air pollution or government regulation or things like that. Just look at the trends and how the earth behaves in certain conditions. Hurricanes form in warm ocean and our ocean is getting warmer the jet stream around the arctic is weakening because the arctic's getting warmer there is less of an air pressure difference and temperature difference to maintain such a jet stream so i don't want to get too too much into that because mother nature has so much to offer and there's so much more to talk about but this is something that did need to be talked about So let's take one last look and one last break. All right. We're going to discuss some business of the show. All right. So go get some coffee. Go get some tea. Settle down. Maybe a blanket. Who knows? Maybe maybe it's a good time for you to celebrate folding a load of laundry. Okay. Maybe just doing a fold of laundry. Okay, celebrate at least separating one fold of laundry. One load of laundry. One fold of laundry. Can you imagine it would be nice if you just folded a shirt and that just washed a whole load magically? Ugh. Sometimes I wish magic like that was real. Anyway, let's talk about the business of the show and get right back to it. So stick around and I'll talk to y'all here in a minute. Alright, first off, isn't it nice just to be able to hear the show? But how much better is it to you know have a show that's kind of thought out beforehand? I know, surprising that a man whispering about a flower named Benjamin got this put together. Well, a lot of it comes out to time. Mostly time. A little bit of equipment. almost all, mostly time. I'd love to commit more time to putting these shows together and learning how to do better step by step. If you'd like to help me out, check out the link at the end of the episode description. I'd always appreciate the help. Other than this podcast, I have a personal blog as well as a Facebook and Instagram page, so check me out at The Usual Setback on Facebook and Instagram. For the blog, I'll link it in the description as well. Even if you don't want to support financially, checking out those pages and sharing me with your friends and family help me out as much. Please give them an insight to the chaos as to how my brain functions, and who knows, they may never get onto you for having a clean car again. And on that note, let's wrap up this show, shall we? Okay. So I'm sure you're questioning what role we as human beings have in in all of this. All of this chaos, all of this, all this nature stuff we're talking about. The dirt, the trees. What what part do we as human beings, as modern-day human beings, have in all of this? And honestly, it just depends on what your train of thought is, what your school of thought is. So let let's let's boil it down a little bit here. On one hand, you have conservation. Conservation is the thought that we should utilize our resources wisely, alright, right, and interact with the environment and the resources in respectful and meaningful ways. So, you know, see a tree, use the tree to build a house, harvest some nuts from the tree, and replant all the nuts, and start a little forest. You know, be sustainable in it, but don't be afraid to go in and use what you need to use, you know? Well, the other thought, is preservation. You know, preservation is the idea that we should really just observe nature. Look at the tree. Avoid cutting it down if there is any other means to to accomplish what you need to accomplish. You know, let nature be. We do not need to get involved and, and just sort of let it do. Now, if you ask me what you, I think our current policy is as someone who is, A, now living very much in the country, and be spending time in the Conservation Corps, I think our current strategy is just a whole lot of apologizing for misguided strategies. So case in point, in the Conservation Corps, one of my projects was a shaded field break. What this means is I go into a heavily wooded area, usually somewhere where people live, like right next to preservation, and on the cross, across the street, or sometimes just as close as across the fence, there is a neighborhood. These areas have been, just been preserved, and fire has been suppressed. Here's the kicker about the ecosystem, especially in, you know, parts of Texas, like central Texas. Fire is necessary. It clears out a bunch of old undergrowth, which allows more light to come into the ground to let fresh plants grow as well as restores nutrients to the soil that plants in that part of Texas are designed to need. But because we've suppressed fire so much, especially in Central Texas, it is now a very flammable place. It's very fire-happy. So now I'm coming to realize that a lot of our current, you know, environmental practices is kind of learning that, oh, the old way wasn't always, you know, the best way. And I think that's kind of cool and kind of important for us all to remember. Because what that tells me is we're learning to do better. Right now, we're just doing the best that we can. And the other thing we need to remember when it comes to understanding our role is we need to understand our scale and our own limitations. No one knows everything. No organization knows everything. And you as an individual cannot, at least in a day, do something that's going to undo what someone else does or what an industry does. But there are little things we can do, all right? All right. One important thing we can do is... You know what? We'll save that for the conclusion of this episode. So, let's start wrapping things up. No matter how you look at it, nature and Earth is a very complicated and delicate system and probably not what you had in mind of trying to think about while cooking dinner or driving home or driving to work. If you're at work, this is perfect. You are ready for customers. You are ready, especially if you kept up with everything. You know what to do. You're on top of it. Go to you. You go. You know, round of applause. Round of applause for you. Yeah. Look at you peopling and being smart. Something that I obviously can't even do during this whole show, and I'm the one that wrote it. But, you know, as I was talking about earlier, remember your scale, you know, do what you can do. Look into doing native lawns, especially look into doing native lawns. Alright, first off, native lawns help a lot of migratory species. Think bees, think birds, think animals that very much make an impact on this earth, even if not in your area directly. Farmers use monarch butterflies, and monarch butterflies fly through Texas, but I don't know a lot of Texas farmers who who utilize monarchs, you know, solely, or heavily. You know, they have their own, you know, hummingbirds. We have our own, you know, pollinating animals that we generally tend to attract. but other parts of the world where monarchs go utilize monarchs heavily. So even just a native lawn, even native flowers can make a huge impact, even if not in your area, you know? And bonus points, if you live in a flammable area, that means your yard is literally designed to help control and utilize a wildfire for itself. So, in some cases, if you're smart and wise about it, you can actually make your native yard A, wonderful for the natural environment around you, and B, a little bit fire-suppressant. I can't say it's going to put out the fire, I can't say it's even going to delay it that much, but it can be, in a way, you know, designed in a way to prevent, you know, just slightly lower those chances that it's going to catch your house, you know. And I know for a lot of homeowners, you know, growing your own food and gardening is probably a very, very intriguing idea. And, you know, I'm sure there's a huge thing such as the HOA keeping you in the way. First off, I get it. I hate it. But you can grow herbs and, you know, your seasonings in a windowsill. So keep keep that in mind. You know, you don't need to spend millions of dollars. You don't need to go on a TV ad. Just do what you can do. You know, that's all anyone can ask of you. So, let's end this week with a deep breath. And remember that we can only do our best as individuals in dealing with complex issues. Next week, we'll get a little bit more lighthearted. And we're going to be talking about something very, very fun for, I'm sure, so many of you. We're we'll going to be talking snacks. All right? We got muffins. We got pretzels. We got arepas. We got enchiladas. We've got tacos. We've got snacks out the, uh, I don't know what else to say that'll keep it sounding appetizing. We got food. All right? That's what we're going to be talking about. All right? Are you someone who's a baked goods person, or do you like the gelatinous and chewy deliciousness of fruitiness, or are you like me, and are you just waiting for that perfectly salty snack to go with that wonderful clap back that you thought of last night, two hours after you lost the argument? This is a topic, alright? Let's see how I get distracted by it. I shall see you next week. From the usual setback, y'all have a good day now. Later.